Welcome to the QB room. This is season two, episode seven, right? Seven. We're on a roll. Seven. And we're going to change it up a little bit this week. Fired up. You know, on the QB room, Kyle and I, we've known each other since, you know, for a long time, since Kyle was in high school. Um, and uh, and this is season two of this show. We've been, I've been kind of training Kyle since he was at Texas A&M, flying out to California to jump over bags. and Before that, man, when I was 16. That's back right. in high school, man, way back. So, so we've known each other forever, and we've had a bunch of amazing dudes on this on this show. Some in the media, a lot of them starters, college pro. Um, today, we're going to flip it. Kyle and I have been the co-host of every episode so far. Uh, we're going to flip it a little bit, and Kyle's going to be the guest. I'm going to interview Kyle today. Be I, we get a lot of questions, a lot of DMs. Um, wanted to more context. You know what I mean? Somebody knows yeah, who like, I am. Who are these with guys? Kyle knows who Kyle is. Never heard of me, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to flip it a little bit. And this week, um, I got some questions that Kyle has not seen, uh, has not, he's just showing up as, as if any of our other guests show up, except he's in 4k and a shout out to that dope studio that we built in Buffalo. Um, and, uh, and we're going to get into it, uh, and look at it from a little different angle. So Kyle right now, uh, QB two on the Buffalo bills, one of the, if not the hottest team in the league right now. Um, played at two colleges, top recruit out of high school, lead 11, all that stuff. Um, so Kyle, let's just start with like we normally do with other guests. Do you remember when we met? I actually do. I actually remember like the moment of what happened when we met because it changed my way of thinking of like a certain play in football. I remember it was at elite 11 in Chicago, one of the regional events, regional I was yep. playing for the Bears, and I was like, oh, perfect. They're coming in this weekend. Well, it's perfect. Yep. You you made it for me, so thank you. But I remember when you do the gauntlet at the end, right? You get, like, the top five guys from the camp. You set up a gauntlet. Like, you got a slant route. You got a corner. You got to roll out right. You got to throw this dig over this backer. And I remember I got to throw the dig over the backer, and I was ripping them all. And then I I threw the dig over the backer, and I threw it on a line drive. And it, like, fell and hit the, the receiver in, like, the kneecaps or something. And I was like, damn. And then I finished it all over. And then whatever the camp was over and you came up to me after and you were like, you're like, Hey, so when you're throwing dig routes, right. And you're throwing these intermediate balls, what you want to do is you want to throw 80%. You want to try and level to this ball and layer it over them. So that the guy can just run underneath it. That way you can start throwing over guys. And at that point, even though I was a top recruit, like getting uh, scholarships from different schools, I don't think I'd ever thrown a ball, not a hundred percent in my life. Yeah. I was ripping every single ball. So I remember that. And I still remember like one of those core football moments for me of like, that's kind of changed the way I play the game a little. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and uh, that's every kid, right? You go to these events, seven on seven, elite 11, regionals, tryouts, whatever it is. And it's like, how hard can you throw it? <laughs> Even a warm up. Exactly. You got kids yeah. that going like this play after they catch balls in warm up. Well, the best that's is when forward. you're at those camps, those camps, when you're at them and you're warming up with all these top guys around the country, you're just trying to, throw it as hard as you can back at them so they can feel you. You know, it's like a little competition yeah. in warm-up. I remember yeah. Drew Barker was at that camp. He went to Kentucky. He was a top recruit that year too. And he yeah. was gassing my hands out. I couldn't fucking catch a ball. I dropped every ball in warm-ups. And I was like, damn, I might, I might not be cut out for this, man. Yeah. He was in your dome. Fast forward to a nice layered dig where you tell me that story. A vivid memory. One of my favorite memories of your playing career so far. One that I was at the game of but mm-hmm. missed. Uh, you got your first real start, not real start. You got your first start one year where you were going to be the starter, right? You started your rookie year at New Orleans week 17, but the next year, Cam Newton gets hurt. You're in Carolina and it's your first start of what ended up being a bunch of starts mm-hmm. and at Arizona. And for those of you who don't know, Kyle is born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, went to desert mountain high. He's an Arizona guy, right? And if you see him out and about the deep V, the holes in the jeans and sometimes the chains will help confirm your your uh, your suspicions that he's from Arizona. So and very goes goes rarely without a haircut. So I go to so me and DQ Devin Quinn, who's a mutual best buddy of ours. Aaron, uh, Kyle gets the start in Arizona. Me and DQ are like, we're there, dude. So we actually drive out. Shout out Chris Kearney who drove too. We drive out for that game and you throw for four touchdowns, whatever, beat Kyler Murray, who kind of took your job at AM. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of storylines there. There's like 50 people there for Kyle. So, end of half, we're, me and DQ are in the stands, just hammering beers all day. 
and we're in the stands and I got to go to the bathroom. And it's like, there's like a minute left in the half. You guys get the ball in like the 20 yard line. I'm like, all right, perfect. I'm going to go beat the crowd. And I go into the bathroom and I hear everyone go, Oh, 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 which we're at Arizona. And you just layered, just like we talked about when you were just 15, a dig to just the left, layered man. a dig to DJ Moore. And then he did the rest, took it like 70, oh, uh, the for best a quick score at the end of the half. And I run out of the bathroom. There's no, no TVs in the bathroom. And Devin has got it on video. He's like, you missed it. <laughs> so it's funny that you remember that. I remember meeting you at the Chicago Elite 11. We haven't talked about that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny, that story. Um, layer. Don't drive it. Um, so we've known each other a long time. Uh, basically neighbors in the off season, you live right by me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let's talk pr- uh, currently right now. All right. So Buffalo Bills, you guys are what? Three and one, right? Three and one. Three yep. one or four and one? Three and one. Lost the first one, won the next three. I don't know if it was week five or six. Um, and, uh, you know, tough game that everybody saw that first week in, in, uh, with the Jets and then have been on a heater the last three. I think in all in every phase, you guys are running the ball better than I've seen you. I mean, I've seen every snap of the Bills since Josh got there. So I think you're running the ball better than I've ever seen you run the ball. The play action game we'll get into. Um, defense creating turnover. This isn't just like Josh is playing great, but a lot of people in Buffalo are playing great right now too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really good team ball. Um, so let's talk in through some of the teammates. Right? I've always, I actually haven't talked to you much about the dudes and the guys and the vibe and any of that stuff because I get a good feel from it. Um, you know, from Josh. And so I haven't talked to you mostly about what you're doing and what's happening and all that stuff. Um, so I want to get your perspective and let's talk a little bit about some teammates. Um, so from a teammate perspective, let's have some fun here. Okay. Um, who's somebody that sticks out? You have a sister. Um, we have a sister-in-law. We're not going to do this. Are we going to do this? What's that? I have a sister. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Okay, so ahead. who would you least want to date your sister? Well, everyone's going to say Diggs because he was the guy in the Vikings that said that. But I Everybody actually said like that Diggs. in the Vikings. Yeah, everyone did that. I think Diggs has changed man. Least like to date my sister. I'd probably say Josh. I would never let him date my sister. I would not. I would not want that. That's, that's too close. Answer. That's too close to home. I'd almost be incest at that point, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. I like that. All right. I didn't know about this. Who yells, I love you, Josh, every time team huddle in the tunnel? Yeah, it was, uh, it used to be Cole Beasley, I think. Cole's a little tweaker. You can see there's videos of it out there, but Josh would break it down. And the thing that Josh does too, when you break it down, you know, you're in your position group going out there for warm ups, breaking it down in the tunnel before you go out. And Josh gets his voice real deep before he goes, All right, man, you know what we got to do? Let's go out there and win the game. Play as a team. He gets his voice all deep, and then we go, one, three, one, two, three, win. And then Cole Beasley's, I love you, Josh. And now it's Dawson Knox every time. I love you, Josh. You're my hero. Because then when you run yep. out the tunnel, there's all the old men and all the little kids screaming that same thing. But it's both of them now. I think Dawson's taking over those. Yeah, I like it. All right, so if you were to go, I'm going to ask you this a couple different parts. If you are stuck, uh, let's just say Desert Island, right? Like, so basically like any situation where you basically have no ways of entertaining yourself other than talking to this person. Oh God. Who would you pick? Who would you want to be in that situation? Like I got I'm like stuck. All I can do is talk to this person oh. all day long. There's nothing else to do. Probably. I'd, I'd probably say off the top of my head right now, Matt Milano. Why? Very, I don't very know. Interesting, very interesting character. I think we can get along. I think he would be scrappy on the Island too. I think we'd mm. figure out a way to get off the island together. But Matt Milano is my sauna buddy. We're in the sauna a lot. So you know how the sauna talks go. You get in there for 20 minutes, no phones. You get it going in there. So I'd, I'd, I'd pick Matt. I'd bring Matt with me. It's a good dude. Is he like consp- conspiracies too? Is he like deep in thought on he's, like he politics can, he, and history and stuff? Or more? He can go deep. Uh, he's, like, he's like, don't wear the Bluetooth headphones because it's the radio waves are going in my brain. I wear the wired That's headphones. That's how I am. Exactly. You know, so it's a similar wavelength, you know? Hardwired, bro. Eye to eye on a lot of things here. Okay. Um, all right. Who? Because you guys a social media team. Ironically, I'm asking this question right now because today they killed it on their post with you that had just the, the Elite Eleven That's, regional. That was from that. That was, that was so from weird. Chicago. That was no it. way. That was yes, talk about was. getting your voice deep. What your the hell voice has it been that deep to... since that interview? That was horrible. <laughs> what is that? You're that like has to be seven hairs doctored. underneath your arm. Collective. 
Um, we have it. Do you guys want to break it down? We have it for no, Teach Tape. Do you guys want to break don't. it down? <laughs> so fucking weird. Dude. Yes, they had we'll to have doctored my voice. Tape. I watched that and it took me like 20 seconds to figure out that it was me. I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't know. I just went out there today and I felt good. I have this too. You don't realize how you, like, you hear yourself and you go, is my voice that deep? All right. So your social media team kills it. Right. And you mm-hmm. come from a place in Carolina where I, I think Carolina stands out as one of the best social media teams in football. I'm not a Carolina Panthers fan and I follow them. I don't know. Cause I think their stuff's great. Mm-hmm. Buffalo has been killing it though. They've been on a heater too. The social team who yeah. on your team is the most visibly upset when somebody from the social media team comes and asks them to be a part of it. Oh, well, I know Damien Harris is the most excited. He's the one that's like okay. asking to be on it, you know? Yeah. Because um, he's trying upset. to grow his brand or because he thinks it's like fun and interesting. No, he's, I, I just think he's just got charisma, man. He's got it. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's always on it. At least I always see him on it. He's on every single TikTok. I'd say the least. I don't know, man. We're kind of all bought in at this point. I think this yeah. is like everyone on the team, like, you know, normally like when you're on the social media team, you're kind of like afraid of them. You don't want to like, you know, I don't want you to like fuck up what I got going on. I don't want anything weird to get yeah. out, but I feel like everyone's kind of bought in on this here. We have the people who do the TikToks. There's literally two guys and they don't have any other job, but to make the TikToks, I'm pretty sure. Like that's, well, I, I remember thing. when this was becoming a thing and I made the argument, I go, so you're going to pay somebody to be the voice of your team, right? College or pro. Mm-hmm. This is true for college and pro. You're going to pay somebody to be the voice of, it was John Teicher at UTEP. He was the voice of the minors, right? And so every college has that guy on radio. You guys have one Bills Live, right? So Tasker and those guys, right? They're mm-hmm. on every day, five, whatever, seven days a week. So you got somebody who's the voice of on radio. You got somebody who's the voice of for the TV call locally. You've got somebody who's the voice of. I would make the argument that whoever's the voice of our social media footprint is more relevant than the other ones combined. It is because there's just a lot of people who can call a game. There's a lot of former legends who live in the area who can go in and break down what's happening this week on our team, but killing it on social, meeting them where they're at, the combination of making me feel like I was there. If I'm not crack me up like today's video, super funny or, you know, (laughs) stats, relevant milestones, history. Like I think it's so when I say somebody's killing it, it's not just because they made a funny video. It's like, no, you're, keeping me engaged no but they do listen to the radio did you see the one where they made the video about us growing our footballs at the farm around here no they made a whole video and they had they had josh they had gabe they had like t bass our kicker involved and it was like the the whole storyline was that our crop of footballs are ready to be picked this year and josh like picks up the ball he's like oh the leather's good it grew it grew well this year must have been good rain gabe's like yeah i've been going out to the farm like every month to go check on the balls you know we like to let them sit on the vine a little longer and then they literally have gabe go to this farm they literally go to a farm and there's a farmer working this farm who's in on it too and he's taking them through his farm talking about how the footballs grow (laughs) it's epic bro (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so good I, I and it got like a that. million and a half views on tiktok oh i'm sure I'm yeah sure. Um, it's epic they kill well, it man. josh is like the face of the pistachio nut industry so that's that's just like a cross marketing cross pollination mm-hmm. um who is the teammate most likely to have their own reality show so part of this question is it would be interesting and relevant and two yeah. low-key they'd be down to do it yeah, I mean, I would say Diggs just because I want to know yeah. what's going on in his life. I feel yeah. like there's a lot I need to know that I don't know, but I, I don't think he'd be into it. Um, I think at this point it'd be Vaughn. And by the way, Diggs, I love Diggs on social. It's like his carousels. Everyone's doing the same thing on carousels. So good, like so game good. photo, fashion photo, screen grab of something, whether I wrote it or not. Yep. Game photo, fashion photo, like whatever that cadence is or that formula for a great carousel. Diggs is killing it. And the other day he had one of the hardest. So I played with my brother. Uh, I, I trained a bunch of kids where the brothers play with each other. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? My sons are playing together. And one of the hardest pictures I've seen in a long time, it's just a shot of Steph and Trayvon in a black Ferrari, just staring at the camera. And I'm just like, these two dudes yeah. like grew up in this, <laughs> like in their front yard, playing it. catch, running yeah. around, dreaming big. And now they're just rolling around in a Rari, both on top of the world. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's a dope. I got three yeah. boys. That's a dope brother picture. 
Yeah, he's got great so, Instagram. I'm just trying to get in the background of one. But I'm I'm going with uh I'm gonna go with Vaughn. I think Vaughn would be the one. Vaughn Miller. I well, that's he, another one too. I would love to understand his lifestyle better. Like this dude's fascinating. Name somebody who can't stand Vaughn Miller. He's unbelievable. It's like he's amazing. Everybody he, loves him. Uh, the other day he he's been he's so into golf right now, like deep into golf. All of a sudden he's got like a million dollars in golf club memberships and he's like just starting getting going. Like he's one of those guys where like if he's doing it, he's doing it like 150% and he's addicted yeah. to it. Yeah. So he had um, you know, is he getting lab. good yet? I mean, I think he's just at that early stage. I only played with him one time and it was at Oak Hill. And I shot a 97 at Oak Hill, you know, like so mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. He was playing in the group in front of me, but Yeah. But the other last week, he's been like talking about lab putters all week. He got like a lab. Have you ever seen lab putters? No, it's not LA golf, but it's, it's lab. They're putters fit to you specifically. There's a new guy on the tour that uses them, but he was talking about it all week. And he's like, I got the lab guys coming. I flew them out. I'm going to get the whole team fitted on me. He got the whole team fitted for like $600 putters on him. Hell of a dope. Yeah. I, I would love that. to see Vaughn. <clears throat> I would love to see Steph. Um, when I played in Cincinnati, Chad and T.O., yeah. two teammates both had a reality show. So this isn't some hyper, hypothetical situation here. Um, they Kelsey called? used to have one. Oh, I don't remember. They're bad. They're Kelsey's bad. was good. Catching Kelsey. It's legendary. It was funny. Yeah. Um, that was a time when no one knew who that you guy like was. It. So like you're watching that show. No, it was just like trying to figure it out. And that's apparently that's like the thing that the, like one of the few things you can say to Travis Kelsey to piss him off is ask him about that. So I well, you were a bachelor guy. You're a bachelor guy too. We're both bachelor guys. So you were yeah, basically I, the same thing. No, it is, but there's different production validity between catching yeah. Kelsey and a show that's been like number one show in America for 25 years and the production <laughs> budget to go with it. So I guess, so. um, and the writers and the producers. So anyways, um, all right. So if you said both those guys would say yes, I'd want to see digs because the whole fashion, international travel, yeah. all that stuff. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, who's the funniest guy on the team? Uh, I mean, it's it's got to be like obvious funny guy. It's Josh just because he kind of runs shit, you know? He kind of yeah. sets the tone of what the day is going to be and then walkthroughs and keeps it light. But uh say underrated funny guy, Latavius Murray. Yeah. Very underrated, funny guy. 13-year vet. Yeah. You know he's the oldest running back in the league right now? Runs harder than anyone I've ever seen run. Once the you know ball's where in I his met hand, Latavius Murray? Where? At dinner the night before Blake Bortles Pro Day because they're right. the same draft class. Yeah. And he was a running back, and I was going over the script. We did a walkthrough, and we all went yeah. and got dinner the night before. And I think he was like a six-round pick. How crazy is that? You went, how old is Latavius Murray? Same draft class as Derek Carr and mm-hmm. Blake Bortles. That's how old he is. Unbelievable, dude. Um, I love that. And tech. Johnny Manziel. That draft class. So Johnny was that draft? Wow, dude. Yeah, we were in the green room. It was in the, I was there with Blake, and Johnny was drinking beers. Yeah, true story. I don't know how that wasn't a bigger you, deal than it within it. Blake got picked early, though, so you were in and out. Blake was the third pick. We were out of yeah. there. Yeah. We were That's closing the doors on some restaurants. When saying, did you think we're going to be here to get picked? I thought like 15. <clears throat> and honestly, I get we all did. Yeah. So, and he was from Florida and got a, it was like a 706 or whatever that area code is in Jacksonville. And it was like, wait, what? So they did a good job of not showing their cards or anything and getting, having to get out. But, um, I like the Latavius Murray answer. Compare him to like, I'm not going to ask you like every team you've played on, who's the funniest guy, but somebody sticks out to you as like hysterical. Compare Tay to somebody else. I would say like, Tay is like very much like a, he's like a little bit of a quieter Greg Olson. I think Greg Olson mm. is just hilarious and knew he was hilarious and was like loud about it in a good way. Like he's funny as shit, but Tay's mm-hmm. got like that same old savvy vet, like funny, like come up and say some shit that you don't expect him to say. And he's just relaxed all the time. Cause he's been playing 14 years. Like what are we going to run yeah. duo this week? Okay, cool. What I got a, a chip yeah. flat. All right, great. <laughs> like what else I got? Yeah. yeah. That gets it, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Greg Olson for a second. You were a teammate of his in, in Carolina. I don't know Greg very well. His little brother came through the Elite 11. I've crossed paths with Greg a handful mm-hmm. of times. Don't really know him. Um, but I will always love Greg Olson um, because he gave you one of the greatest nicknames of all time. And so he I'll did. tell the story because um, if you're a regular guest, I'd let you tell it. But uh, so he's scrolling through your Instagram and 
he sees how many pictures you have mm-hmm. of your then girlfriend, now fiance, Summer, and it, and it, I get it. It was a lot. It was a lot of. It was a lot. A lot of. I was claiming some kisses, some arms, all of it, right? And so it was just like it was a. It was a. Just in case you were wondering. I have a girlfriend and I'm in a happy relationship type of Instagram vibe. Um, I want to make that abundantly clear. Uh, and, um, and he started calling you lovey dovey hmm. and it's one of the all time great nicknames. So, I mean, it's true, right? Like pretty much everyone on the team called you lovey dovey or lovey or dovey or LD or something, right? Our player development guy here now was my player development guy in Carolina, and he still calls me lovey dovey every day. So good. It's such a, and you're confident enough to just like own it and love it right away and not, not trying to downplay it or get rid of it. Oh, it was great. So I'm a big Greg Olson fan. I got a lot of good Greg Olson stories. Greg Olson for that one. Greg was like, the funny thing about Greg is, is he knew so much about ball and was one of the smartest players I've ever played with. But for whatever reason, our coordinators never wanted to put the plays in that he wanted to put in. So it would be Wednesday. It'd be Tuesday. He would come in the quarterback room. I'd be in there watching film by myself later. And he would come in and he would draw a place. We need to put this in. We need to put this in. Boom. We need this. The free safety is coming down here in three buzz. He's going to take the back. I need to wrap around him. Like I need this. And of course there are always plays for him. Like he's not going to draw a place for other people, mm-hmm. but he would do that. And so the first couple of weeks when I was playing, he was drawing them up, trying to get them put in. And so finally he would come in earlier in the week and draw them up specifically for me. And he would say, tell them that you drew this up and that you want it put in. And so we tried that for three weeks and that shit still didn't work. And then when the season went on and we started playing kind of crappy, he was just livid about it every week. He was like, we should read my fucking play. And then finally in green Bay, the snow game that we played in, it was like one of the last series of the game and we needed to score. All he ever wanted to do was run a short post backside. Get me in three by Oh, one by three. Let me be one-on-one backside and let me run a short post. All him and Cam used to do was they used to run the, they call it a read eight. So where if like the corner's off and playing inside, you break towards the corner route. Yep. If he's outside, I'm taking the in cut all day. All he wanted to do is take the in cut. So we finally did. It was like third and 12. We hit it. It was beautiful. He got like 20 yards, slammed on the, on the 50. And he looks back to the sideline and points like right at our quarterback coach in OC. He's like, I fucking told you. <laughs> trying to get that in for eight weeks. <laughs> he's so um, good dude one of my favorite teammates ever man he's they one of the best players like him and cam in their prime and even when he was in chicago he was i was gonna say chicago. there was a whole other prime for him in chicago yeah. Yeah. where he was the best tight end in the league and was treated like a wide out you know what yeah. i mean from a stat from a category standpoint like everyone like talked about what travis kelsey is well hold on there's been some other people here too that maybe we forgot about but like you know Tony Gonzalez was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Graham was one of those guys for an era. I feel like, you know, Greg for sure. Greg was at for like 12 years. You know what I mean? Two different spots, two different quarterbacks. It's two funny you, call, different you quarterbacks. refer to him as like receiver because later in his career, obviously, he's not, he's not going to be blocking as yeah. much, right? He's out there trying to run routes. I remember C Mac would come off the sidelines sometimes if we had like a, if we had like a duo run or like a, a split zone with him coming up, cut off the backside end. C-Mac would be like, get his fucking ass out of the game. He doesn't want to block. <laughs> <laughs> and we had another tight end on our team who we... Who and he was probably like, in. I got nine catches for 86 yards at a touchdown. Oh, yeah. C-Mac was like, it's wrong. fine. Yeah. But like, put our tight end who has been blocking Waggle 3 and blocking the end one-on-one all game. Put him in for me. I'm trying to yeah. get fucking five yards here. Yeah. Well, C-Mac's getting more than that. You guys had a huge win. Just took apart Miami's defense. Um Really have it rolling. That was an exciting matchup. I was, I was, I mean, of all the games this year, that was the one I was most juiced to watch. Um, loved how it went down. A couple things that are happening right now really well for you guys. Um, I think, like I said earlier, you're running the ball better and it's, it's probably a combination of elements, right? Like the scheme, the execution mm-hmm. up front. Uh, you know, James and the guys, like I think he, you know, he's dynamic back there. And then the pass game, how that, if, so it's just, a, it's always, it's never one reason, right? It's not like our guard or just, that we have the best running back in the league. It's offense football. You need everybody. Talk through that run game, how it's evolving. And from your perspective, so if you were in the room during the week saying, like anybody would, and this is obvious, like, hey, we got to run the ball this week. Like, what's your reason why? Like, what is running the ball doing for you guys from from your inside perspective? Well, I think you can take a look at the game last night with um, the Giants. 
right? Giant Seahawks. Yep. Giant Seahawks. Um, sorry, we're going to release this later, but the, the Monday night game, Giant Seahawks. When you are either down in a game or can't run the ball and you have to rely on drop back passing, the same thing. I just watched Atlanta versus Jacksonville because we're about to play Jacksonville. Same thing with Atlanta, right? Desmond was in a drop back game for 70% of the game. When you're sitting back there playing drop back and just catching, taking three, hitching, like that works great in high school. Like you're going to have protection, you're going to scramble, guys are wide open. But in the league, it is so tough to live in a drop back world. It's so tough to do what Tom Brady did and throw it 52 times a game in 70% of them be drop back and be great. Like that's unheard of. And so when you run the ball and run the ball well, it keeps you on schedule. When you're watching the game at home, Look at how many teams, like, look at the team that's down. Look how many times they've been in third and eight, third and 10, third and 12. When it's first down, they don't get any yards or they have a negative play. And, it, and then it's second and 10, second and 12. We call it staying in the green. So the more we can stay in the green, which is first and 10, second and one to five, and then third and shorts, the more we can stay in those categories, st- statistically speaking, you just take data over the years, right? When you're in third and longs, Turnovers happen at a way higher rate. When you're in second mm-hmm. longs, turnovers happen at a way higher rate. And obviously, you're not going to convert on those third and longs the longer they get. So the running game has helped us out a ton just staying on schedule. And then that also opens up the play-action game. It's like, you've heard it. I mean, it's not it's not science here. Yeah. You know? It's nothing new. Like, you run the ball well, it opens up the play-action game. And then as a quarterback, which I think Josh has been doing extremely well, is he is taking his check downs when he needs to. And I think that is something that I learned early on in my career from just having to play a bunch and having to learn by fire is those check downs are really what, what make the game go. And I actually learned this from Tony Romo. I want to tell a story real quick because it was kind of like a pivotal point in my career. Personally, we love Romo. Yeah. Romo's the best. So I remember actually this was, we, um, we had played the Falcons my second year. It was 2019. And I came off, I came out and I was inaccurate. I was forcing the ball downfield and I threw four picks and we lost 20 to three. And I remember that next week I went in on Tuesday. I was like, I'm, I'm the reason we lost the game. Like 100%. Like they scored 20 points and I threw four picks. Like imagine if I didn't throw any picks and we, we couldn't, we may have won that game 13, 10, you know, but I remember coming in that day and I had an interview with Steve Smith. We had the next game. We we're playing the saints. It was going to be a, a big game. We had a, he was probably not point, nice. So. Well, we come in and the, you know, the PR guy goes like, Hey, this is the interview. Like, I think it'll be okay. We told him like, let's not, let's not touch on these things. Like, let's not talk about last week against Atlanta. Let's not talk about the picks. Like, let's move on. He said he was going to do that. I was like, all right, fine. Let's do it. And then we get in and it's one of those, like all the lights are off. You each have a spotlight on each of you. You're at a chair. I'm sitting like three feet from his face and he's just grilling me like, so after you threw all those picks against Atlanta, did you, you know, have a conversation with the team? Did you talk to guys? Like, did you explain yourself? Well, I'm like, God damn, dude, like it's one bad game, you know? And I remember I came out of that game after that and I called you, I think. And I was like, dude, I just need to like, I need yeah. to talk to somebody. I need to straighten me back up. Like I just like, I needed like a little confidence boost at that point. Right. Yeah. And so fast forward Saturday, Night before the game, you have the production meeting. Tony Romo and Jim Nance were doing that game. And we do the production meeting with them. Um, Tony's just hilarious. Jim's a former Cougs, so go Cougs. So he was great. Mm. He was awesome. Um, and Tony, <laughs> there's this uh there's this like nacho bar in the room for whatever reason. It must be on like Tony's rider for CBS. He's got a nacho bar, and he's just a plate like this big full of chips and like nacho cheese. And he's just hitting and he's not asking me any questions. He's just talking football. Like, yeah, you know, the saints, this and that I played them a ton of times in my career, blah, blah, blah. And he's great. He's getting up to the, the nacho bar, getting up and down, up and down. He got up like four times. But what I really want to say in the story, I'm just remembering all these funny details. What I really yeah. want to say in the story is we start talking about the turnovers and you know, what's going on. And he's like, he's like, look, man, you're a great player. Like you've, you've performed well all year. Turnovers are going to happen. What changed for me. And I forgot what year he said it was in his career, but he was like, what changed for me was I stopped throwing on play action. I stopped throwing the, the over or the corner or the big posts. I stopped throwing that unless it was perfect. I started flipping the script. I started looking at it. Like I'm going to throw this check down unless it is the perfect prime look. 
And I was like, damn, I never thought about it like mm. that. Back in the yeah. day, I was like, I'm going to rip this dig until I, I just can't, you know, like, ah, I got to take the check yeah. down. Right. Or I'm going to try and rip this over in there over three guys in Larry. Cause mm. it's going to be a sick throw for 15 yards. Oh, until I got to take the check down. That's what caused a lot of my turnovers. And I remember when going into that game, I was like, all right, I'm going to switch my thinking going into this game. I'm going to take the check down, take the check down until that big shot's there. And if you look at that game, there was one series where we've called like four play action passes. I threw it to Christian every time. Eight yards, mm. 12 yards, six yards, nine yards, score, score touchdown. And I remember I went like 24 of like 26 or 24 of like 30 something that game for three touchdowns, 280 yards. We ended up losing 34 to 31 or whatever, but we played great. And I remember after mm-hmm. that point, I don't remember how we got on this, this story tangent, but that flipped my thinking forever on how you play quarterback. Yeah. Well, going back to what you guys are doing well and in Buffalo running the ball and we're going through all that stuff. I mean, you talk about play action in Miami. He was nine for 11. Josh was nine for 11, 206 mm-hmm. yards and two touchdowns. And in the NFL right now for play action under center, he's ranked number one in QBR, number one in yards per attempt and number one in off target rate, which is at 0.0%. Mm-hmm. So putting yourself in a position to have success. Play action is a great way to do that. The only way that you can have an effective play action is by running the ball. So I know Josh and every other quarterback, let's just throw it. Um, well, I think I it's think interesting case those numbers, those numbers you said, right? The yards per attempt. He's number one. Yeah. 17.3 yards. I love like, go back and look at the tape. Look how many checkdowns are being thrown still. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like when we played the Raiders, I don't know if we hit, one play action downfield. I think they were like mm. in give it up mode, right? Like take the flat, yeah. take the under, take that. So that's interesting. The numbers are still that high. Yeah. Very cool. Let's talk about being QB two. Mm. So, you know, you came in, signed in the off season, had to compete, played well, won the job. Let's just talk about like, we're not into blasting anybody on here. We want to like highlight and celebrate just how difficult the job of quarterback is, but, there's two different quarterback jobs on the team. There's starting quarterback and there's there's backup quarterback. And they're two different job descriptions. That you What you do during the week is similar, but your scope of work, what you are, what your responsibility is, it's very is, different. As different as it gets, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I've been QB too. And so, um, so that's very, very different. So let's just talk about, you know, everyone goes, boy, NFL quarterback's the hardest position in all of sports and all that stuff. Well, they're referencing the starter. What most people don't realize, and I know this as a retired guy, or even when I was playing, and people are like, "Oh, you're the backup, huh? Oh, <laughs> best job in the world, huh?" And and I get why that would be the assumption, right? You don't play, you don't have to get all banged up and hurt, you get to make a bunch of money, and you play in the NFL. How fun is that? All of those things are true. Like, if you're not playing, you are not going to get hurt. It is a blast. It is awesome. But let's just talk through QB two. It's freaking hard to make it in the NFL as a QB2. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. How many people, like the numbers, like of a million kids playing high school football, point whatever percent go to college, and even smaller percentage go to the NFL. And now you're talking about there's really 64 jobs plus a handful of teams who carry a third in the world. You know what I mean? And it's not for 21 to 24-year-olds. No, Case Keenum's the two in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad Henney retired last year. Like, no, you can, Ch- Josh McCown retired when he was 40. Mark Brunell retired when he was 40. So you also got some people who play for a long time. They eat up one of those jobs for a long time. Let's just talk about like, what was the journey like? And I also know that when you're the QB two, you have aspirations of being a QB one. It's not like I made it, I'm done. So you have your goals and aspirations in life and with your career. Well, let's just look at, all right. So this year you've put yourself in a position based off of, What's happened in the past? Because if you have zero starts, by the way, there's no way they're naming you the two in Buffalo. Mm. There's no shot. Mm. I don't care how good you are in a workout setting or practice. You got no starts. No, you're on P-Squad, right? And so part of it is what you've done as a player in this league. Part of it is what you've done recently when they're in the competition. And then lastly, what they think you can do to make the team better and make the situation better. And, and if you're asked to go in, what you can do. Talk through like just how hard is it to get to where you're at right now? It's always weird, and I'm sure you felt this way around fall camp 
and like not even OTAs, but really into fall camp. I think the weirdest and hardest part about it for me all the time is every year around August when fall camp starts, that month of training camp is like one of my least favorite months ever. Not because like training camp sucks and it's hard and, you know, like I, training camp's fun, you know. You're going to, you're going out there practice. You're hanging with your buddies. You're at dorms. Like you're there forever. But if you have a good crew, you got good coaches, you got fun people to be around. Almost any other position on the team would not be fun. Quarterback is fun. Right. Quarterback, especially like, you know, the two, I'm not getting as many reps as Josh. Like that's not the reason. It's the reason that you got to show up every single day of training camp practice. And you're still trying to learn the offense. You're trying to work through different kinks of the offense. You're trying to figure different guys out. You got scout team receivers, basically being signed that day and you're figuring them out on the fly. Like you got to show up every single day and play at your best to make the team right. To have a job after that. And it doesn't matter what every year of my career I've been in, in some type of battle. I don't think I've ever maybe last year because I had guaranteed money, but other than that, I've battled for like, all right, am I going to have a job this year? I think for me, you know, there's been a lot of different elements of my career of where I've been in different roles, but the thing that's always been the same is I've always had to battle to keep a job, to keep a paycheck, to actually be here this year. And it was always, it's always so hard for me, especially when I was in Washington my last year, right? My, the first year I was in Washington, I got traded to go there. I had a good feeling I was going to be on the team. I played well, whatever. I knew I was going to be there. But then the next year after I broke my leg, they'd sign Heineke to a deal. They signed Ryan Fitzpatrick to a deal. I was a three and not many teams carry three. So I thought I was the odd man out. So after training camp, I didn't even know if I was going to be there. You know, I could have been anywhere in the country and you see it with guys. You see it with Will Greer this year. One of our good buddies, Will went from Dallas. They told him he wasn't going to be on the team. He went from Dallas to Cincy and now he's in new England and he's got a wife and two young girls, you know, like mm-hmm. imagine how hard that is. Imagine having mm-hmm. to leave Reese and Ford and like you've had kids and played on other teams. So I think for me, the, the thing that's always been tough for me is just the uncertainty. And I know it's all relative and, you know, like we're making tons of money doing this. But at the end of the day, I don't know until, what is it, August 30th, if I'm going to be here or not. Yeah. So let's talk about during the season. Um, what's your job? I'm not patronizing you. I know what you do. So this is more or less for like the audience. Yeah. So let's say that somebody like a coach said, if Kyle Allen does this, like fill in the blank, then we got a chance to win this week, right? Because you're not playing in the game, but you're not not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And when I say you, I'm talking about every QB2 across the NFL. For right? sure. Like it doesn't change for anybody, right? So for you, like if you do these things, like you did your job that week outside of showing up and going to work. Yeah, I think in my eyes, the most important and thing And you made this do. about Buffalo. You can make this about... No, this is just in general, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's more pertinent to do it this year. You know, I think the situation I'm in right now and it's the most vivid, but my, the thing that's most important to me to do is to give a great scout team look every week. I Mm -hmm. fucking love scout team. Like I know everyone's like, Oh, I got to do the scout team, like linemen, receivers, blah, blah, blah. Like I think it's so cool that we get to go run all these other teams offenses. We get to go up a card and then we get to line up against our number one defense who is playing like a number one defense in the league right now and go test ourselves against them every day and try and give them a good look and then talk to them. Like, cause you and me, we're students of the game, right? So many of the quarterbacks mm-hmm. are students of the game and they know what other offensives doing, how other quarterbacks play, how other coordinators think. So after a series, go and talk to the linebackers of, of what I saw there or how I see them running that play or even in the game doing stuff like that. So Number one for me is like scout team. You got to give a great look. You got to go 100%. And you got to try and beat the defense. Like every day I'm out there trying to shred them. It doesn't work a mm-hmm. lot, but it works sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, man, it's really just you got to be prepared for your moment. I think that goes back to just why I'm still here at this point is because every moment for the most part that I've had to go in and play and prove myself and have that opportunity, I've been prepared for. So I think that's you prepare like you're going to play. And then how can you help your starter? How can you help your OC? How can you help your quarterback coach? How can you help guys in the offense? I think for us, it's a lot of skimming through the game plan, seeing what we really like this week, seeing what we don't like, talking through different looks, going through third downs, going through red zone, and just really doing whatever your guy in the room needs for him to be ready on Sunday. 
right? Some yeah. guys need a lot. Some guys don't need a lot. Josh doesn't, Josh doesn't need a lot, you know, but there's things that we do to help him get ready on Sunday and help him play his best, you know? And a lot of that's yeah. just being, being there for him too, just being the boy. So another thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is just how difficult it is on game day to be a two, mm-hmm. right? Because you get the game ends and you didn't play. That was an easy day because I didn't play today. But it was not easy. The anxiety I felt. I was a three one year and then I was a two the rest. Very different. Very, different. very, very, very different. So different. Um, being a three and getting paid like a two is probably the best job. But like, did you dress when you were, two, when you were a three? Yeah, but that was before when you had three. Every team, there was an extra roster spot for a third quarterback. Wow. So on active roster? Three. That's crazy. Active roster. There was no, like, a quarterback on practice squad didn't exist. That's amazing. Was unheard of. And you could only be on practice squad your first three years. Yeah, it's a different rule. And now. if you've been, had an accru- accredited season, you couldn't ever be on practice squad. So I played seven years. I was never on practice squad. I was never eligible. Yeah. So, it's, it's, so the rules are different. But Congrats. no, I'm just saying the rules are different. Like nowadays, like, no, yeah, just good players that are veterans on practice. Tons squad. of good players. Uh, and you make better money too. Totally. Yeah. You used to make like 80 grand. And I, I had buddies that would lose money at the end of the year. I know. Move it's time doing man. all the stuff. It's it's like, what? So anyways, let's talk about QB2 on game day. So the anxiety, the stress, part of it is going in the game. Part of it is I haven't really thrown a lot of balls to these guys before. <laughs> Never. Like ever. You know what I mean? I always talk about like, I, and since he one year, <clears throat> we had Chad Ochocinco and T.O. And I was more nervous and concerned about going in the game and playing with them than I was yeah. about the defense we were playing. Because yeah. I'd never thrown to them. And they were so particular and so opinionated. And they're, they're so, so awesome. good. Yeah. And they're so good. But it's like, I don't have confidence in throwing a turn route to him or a dagger to him or yeah. a mid six to him. Or I don't fade i don't know is he like and the best so- receivers always have their own little shit to them too you know like yes they don't do it by the book so you have yes. no clue yeah so um on game day what do you do stress anxiety excitement energy concerns like all of like what do you do on game day that gets you in a play like i guess let me ask you like this where do you need to get to from an emotional and mental state on game day and then what are things that you do to get you there i think for me i don't really feel like i do feel that anxiety heavy during the game but like that's only up until like the national anthem ends like that's when i start feeling it but before that like i'm just trying to bring great energy i'm trying to be good vibes i'm trying to be happy i'm trying to like you know joke around i'm trying to keep the energy light have fun and just like fire people up like it's game day like we worked so hard to get to this point all these guys go on the yeah. field like let's fucking go like yeah. uh, there's there's nothing like no matter how much like in the season in the grind of the season in training camp you're like fuck i don't know how much longer i can do this shit anymore like shit's hard when you get on the sideline during the game day and the national anthem ends and the fighter jets fly over your head there's no feeling in the world like that there's no feeling yeah. i know you're feeling that exact feeling in your chest right now like yes some that's so special it's so different but so up until that point i'm fine but during the game always during the national anthem i do a meditation i stare at a spot in the middle of the field and i focus in on that little spot i got this from um headspace guy andy puttycomb remember he came out he brought him out he taught us this and i stare at a spot and find a white spot on the field like a like a loose piece of white grass and i stare at it and during the national anthem i just I just breathe in and out, breathe in and out. And I focus on that spot. And then I'll, after I'm focused and I'm locked in, then I wide my vision, right? I'm still looking at that spot, but I'm trying to just take everything in around you, right? You can feel everything. You can see everything. And then at the end of the national anthem, I go right back to that spot, lock back in. And that always locks me in. I've done that since my rookie year, every game I've ever played in, I've done that. And for whatever reason, like that gets me in the moment more than anything. And I think that's what it's about, right? You just got to stay in that moment and playing, being a backup, like you said, it's hard. And it also, like, it differs with what guy you play behind, right? Like, when mm-hmm. I played behind Heineke, every time he got sacked, it was a yard sale. And mm-hmm. he was on the ground, and he was limping when he got up, and it looked like he was going to be carted off every time he got sacked. But somehow <laughs> he, he found a way to tough it out, and he stayed in. So that was like a strap up my helmet every time anyone was around him. With Josh, it's a little different because... I felt that way the first game because he was hurtling everyone and getting hit and getting slammed to the ground. But he popped right back up like it made him feel better every time. Mm-hmm. 
So now when I see a sack, I'm not as anxious as I was before. But I'm sure you felt that way with Carson, too. Even with your Carson. He used to take yeah. a lot of hits, man. He used to take a lot of hits. Yeah. And it wasn't his fault, but he took a lot of hits. No, he took a lot of hits. And, I mean, I backed him up for four years. He never got hurt once. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm the two. And never played. Then when I was the three, I was the three behind Fitzy. His yeah. second year in the league was the two behind Carson. And, of course, that was year Carson missed, I think, 12 games. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I was the three in Washington, and Jason Campbell was there. And Jason Campbell also had a history of rolling around on the ground for a second and then popping up, and Brunel was the backup. And Brunel, I just remember it was my first time being around it, and Brunel was like, it's hard to back up a dude. Dude. Who doesn't pop right back to his feet? And Jason was tough, right? He didn't miss any games. He did all that stuff. Some people just have a different way of getting off the ground. And if it takes you tough. four seconds to get off the ground, it takes you four seconds to get off the ground. But there's a QB2 on the sideline that that doesn't feel like four seconds. No, it feels like an <laughs> That eternity. feels like, where's my helmet? <laughs> it feels like, where's my you helmet? Where's like, the center so I can get some snaps? I need to start throwing on the sideline. Yeah, side my line. hammies are tight. Yes. God, there's always, there's always like the unwritten rules of the QB2 on the sidelines too. I remember uh, yeah. uh, Fitz used to tell me this. He was like, if you ever... I already, let me guess. Don't ever warm up during the game on your own. Don't ever warm up during the game. Don't ever just start throwing balls on your own unless it's with me. When you're the two. Yeah. You never throw a football on your own because Never. all we need is that camera to be pointed at you and that yep. announcer to say the backups warming up. That's all and, you need. and if that ever happens after a pick that I throw, <laughs> And you warm up, we will never talk again. It will be awkward. Every single day in this building, I will never talk to you again. And I just remember (laughs) dying laughing while his face was like this. He's dead serious. He's 100% serious. Dead serious. It's the truth, though, man. Great advice. Super true. You shouldn't. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So the only time I'm throwing is when Josh needs to before the series. A lot of little unwritten rules. A lot of game day is like, it's weird, man. And it's. I've never been on this side of it this year. I'm uh, I'm actually, uh, we're trying to make this thing this year. I'm going for the most, uh, the worst rushing average in the league this year. I have seven rushes for negative seven yards right now because I've taken all the knees at the end of the game. So yeah. th- three, the last three games, I've never had to do this before in my career. I've never been on a team this good. The last three games, I've gone in at the end of the game for four-minute offense, me and the Killabees, the scout team, number twos. Mm-hmm. We go in there and... We always we've gotten the first down every time, and we've gotten to a kneeling situation. So I'm seven for seven on kneels, minus seven yards. That's actually an interesting stat line to follow, and I feel like there should be something on social that's tracking that. And Bill's social should probably it's, be doing yeah. that. It'd be a good. It's a good bad stat to have. You know what yeah, I mean? It's, it's starting to pick up traction on Twitter. I'm getting hate tweets of me fucking up the rushing average every week, but I like it. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Sammy D might be. No, I texted him right after the game. D, right? I texted him right after the game. I said, we're fucking up our career rushing average right now, bro. They got to give us a QB sweep or something. Sam will be fine on that one. You might be screwing yours up. Sam's yeah. got a couple 50 yards. If they count sacks, then I'm deep in the net. If they count index. fake slides, he's got a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so Netflix quarterback, mm-hmm. um, you know, Josh is not on it. So this isn't like bills and what you're doing, but we watched, we watched that show. We both loved that show. thought they did a loved great it. job. Uh, super into it, um, really accurate, really well done. All the fact we couldn't say enough nice things about that show as you and I were talking about it. Um, but obviously, they're that's an individual filming the show, so they're getting licensed footage from the building and from you know interviews, and then it's just like filming Kirk or Marcus or Patrick mm-hmm. at their house and all that stuff. So they really only showed like individual film study, right? The dude at his house or the dude in the room by himself watching tape. So Netflix didn't get the QB rooms. Right. So maybe just talk a little bit about what did not Netflix not get, not specific to those three players, but just in general, that this is your you know fourth team and a bunch of different rooms, been around a bunch of different guys from a film study perspective, like what happens during the week? What's the vibe in there? You can pick any team, any QB room you've been in. It doesn't have to be Buffalo right now. Well, well from a film study perspective, I think it's, I'll just start with the sanctity of the quarterback room, which is why mm. I think we made this show to give people mm-hmm. kind of an inside look on it. But it's just there's more layers to it where the quarterback room is a safe space to say whatever and whatever the hell you want. And it's not judged. And there's usually horrible things said in there and things that shouldn't be repeated that are funny as shit. 
But if you were, if you put a recorder in the quarterback room anywhere, I don't, people would be in trouble, first of all. Well, but, probably any room too, but, any but room, yes. right? Yes. yes. But any we're talking sing, recorder room. Yes. Yes. But that's, that's the best part about it, right? You're going, quarterback's the hardest position to play in the world, right? There's, it's not debatable. It's the hardest position to play in sports. You need to have a room set up around you, which is it's important to have guys like me and good coaches and guys like Shane Buchel, our Peace Squad guy, who's been awesome. It's important to have pieces in that room that makes the guy playing out there feel great and feel ready to go and feel rejuvenated and happy and, and excited to be in the building. So I think that's part of it. But from a from a perspective of film study, I think what's cool that we do here, which I've never really done at places, is we do a ton of like on-field walkthroughs as our installs. Instead of just sitting down in front of the screen and install it, we'll we'll go in the weight room and do it. So when you install plays throughout the week for people watching, you install plays throughout the week, you'll get your on Wednesday, you'll get your first and second down install. That's all the pass plays we're gonna run on first and second down, all the run plays we're gonna run first and second down. And it's a 50 page PowerPoint slide with eight plays on each page, and you're just you're basically sitting in there getting beat over the head with plays for two and a half hours, right? Listen to someone talk to you about the reads of the checks and everything. It's a grind. Wednesdays and Thursdays are a grind. What we do is quarterbacks will come in early. We'll install it. And then we'll go in. Our weight room has a turf field on it, a small turf field. And then we have projectors that come down and they'll put up the play, right? I'll put up the pass play. Josh will call it the pass play. All the guys will line up. We'll walk through it. And that's how the receivers install. Mm. And then we get a second round of install, which I think is awesome. That's super smart. Yeah. You could just, I remember sitting in Norv Turner's meetings and, Norv was one of my favorite coaches I've ever had, but those install meetings with the whole offense in there, I'd turn he's around. He's got half his time. cup of coffee and he's squinting. Yeah, he's got his cup of coffee. He's he's got his thumb right here, just for him yeah, hanging in out his waistband. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, all yeah. right, all right. Just throw the throw the fucking shallow here. Let's move on. All right. That's but a I good turn around. Norv Turner. That's, that's oh, a, fucking. I've been around him too much. I saw. So I saw Scott Turner favorite. before the game when we played the Raiders. He's their past game. I don't know, pass game coordinator, but he's easy. I was wondering where now. he was. Yeah. And I pulled up on him and he didn't see me. I pulled up on the field and he has Norv on the phone. He always FaceTimes Norv before the game. So I go up and I said, Hey, Norv, <laughs> just fucking around with him. And yeah. he's literally like, he's in his chair in La Jolla with like a robe around his neck. It's like 7.30 La Jolla time at that time. And yeah. he's like, what the hell was that for? Oh. Yeah. And he's like, I'm like, what are you doing, Norv? He's like, I'm trying to figure out the YouTube TV. I got to put the games on. Like, oh, my God. It's <laughs> falling off. Oh, but no, those meetings. Kathy. I, yeah, Nancy. Nancy. I turned around That's in right. those meetings, and half the time, Cam would just be out. Just too much. Asleep? Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. There's, yeah, you can only handle so much. We're millennials here. But yeah, I think like just looking at the quarterback room and you can give perspective on this too. I think it's Wednesdays and Thursdays are an absolute grind. You're in there from Mm -hmm. whenever you get in there in the morning to usually about 630 ish and you're just grinding. There's really like Wednesday and Thursdays places that I've been where it's been good and efficient. You don't really have time to like go sit and have an hour lunch, right? Like you kind of have 15 minutes to go grab lunch quick or bring it down to your next meeting at the end of the day. So you're just, yeah just trying to osmosis the whole offense in for that week and and then really crisp it up on Fridays. I always describe Wednesdays and Thursdays as a 10 plus hour work day with an hour and a half of football in the middle. Yeah, exactly. That's really all you're doing. Like practice is not three and a half hours long. We're no. on the field and getting a million throws. No, it's like 90 mm-hmm. minutes, including warmups yeah. and you're multiple walkthroughs, lots and lots of meetings and then meetings about the meetings that we just had. And then a follow-up mm-hmm. meeting about the original meeting that we had where we changed some <laughs> things that yep. get us ready for the next meeting. And it's like, that's Wednesday, Thursday. That's why when, like, when you hear about during the draft process, like, you got to love ball. Do you love ball? This only works if you love ball. Like, this, this no, does not yeah. work. It doesn't if work. If you love yeah. money and you're down to play some ball, it just doesn't work. Not a quarterback. You better be super talented and not a quarterback. Definitely not a quarterback. But, like, mm-hmm. even any other position, you better be real talented with a lot of, you know, a long leash. Um, all right, Kyle, we're going to play a little game. This will be one of the first times. I'm leading it because normally you lead it. We're going to play a little take the sack. Uh, so those of you who've never seen this before, take the sack. This is like, would you rather? Would you rather do this or take the sack? And for context, this will be another Houston Cougar. Uh, go Cougs. Uh, Ed Oliver bursting through and, uh, and sacking you on this one. All right. Would you rather have to introduce yourself 
as hi, I'm Kyle Allen, the number one pocket passer from the class of 2014. Oh God, that's disgusting. Every time you introduce yourself to somebody or take the sack. I'm taking the sack. That was just like that's like I peaked in high school energy right there. I can't do that. I can't have that fucking peaking in high school energy. I'm taking no. the sack on that one. I was, though, if you guys don't remember, 2014, number one pocket passer. Number one pocket passer in the country. Would you rather this next offseason, from whatever you guys finish up, January or February, and you get home, and Sam Darnold's going to be finishing right around the same time as you guys, January mm-hmm. or February, um, he beats you in every round of golf, right? So in any one-on-one matchup, he gets you, or are you taking that sack? And he'll be improved, and this has been a pretty up and down off season for your golf. If I'm going to be honest, because there was it's a point bad. when you were playing better than all yeah. of us. No, it's been bad. And then apparently you were telling me in August that like Josh is rolling you. And I'm like, when yeah. did that start? Uh-huh. Like it just started. Yeah. We don't like to talk about that. Um, yeah. I'm going to take a sack mind. on that one too. Just from the fact that it's just, there's like a balance in the world right now. Right. Like Sam has never beaten me. And that's just kind of how our friendship goes from a golf perspective. Like we're going golfing and I know I'm going to win. Yeah. I'm, I know I'm going to win. So it's a, it's a real big part of my, uh, my happiness week to week. So I'm going to take Sacramento. It's like a big brother, little brother golf thing with you and Sam or not or just with you and anybody who's never beaten you, because then it's like, listen, I want you to get better. I do. I want you yeah. to get better. I want just you to do all on. those things. Let me help you. You're never going to beat me, Yeah, but I want you to improve. I'm just going to con- improve at a similar or greater rate. Yeah, exactly. Like just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Same with you. Just a little bit. No, that's not true. Um, and I feel like too, by the way, QB room wise, like there should be something, if you have any input, please like throw us in the comments, there should be some sort of off season game we got going on here. We play very randomly, very like play tomorrow at three kind of thing. We need to have some sort of like over under you and I battle it out a little bit on our full swing golf simulator at my office, a little bit on the okay. actual links. I think there's something to be played with there. All right. So would you rather never be able to see another post or hear any news about Travis, Kelsey, dating Taylor Swift, or you got to take a sack? I'm honestly like quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm honestly, since our last conversation about it, I know I was a heavy Taylor Travis, but I've been a little waterboarded by it at this point. I still love it. Don't get me wrong. I still love it, but I'm kind of like a, I'm a TMZ guy. I like the, I like the hot news and then I move on. So yeah. Um, I'm not taking the sack on that one. I'm all right. You know, Travis, you know, Taylor, have your, have your privacy. You deserve it, man. Also, like if you're Taylor at this point, you can't go to the chiefs game, then go to the jets game and then go back to like the next chiefs home game. Right. Just a little desperate at that point. you got to take some, there's time just, off. there's just a lot to unpack here because there's like, what is, what is she willing to like show or whatever, like what level of interest to your point exactly. of like, is she hitting every game? Like, yeah, is she like, going to every game? Like, is she going to be in Seattle in four weeks? I'm making that up. I don't know if they're play Seattle or not, but like, are you going to Cleveland? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, are you making it to Green Bay? <laughs> Kansas city makes sense. MetLife stadium in New York city, where she probably owns five beautiful homes. Like mm-hmm. that makes sense. But like you going to Cleveland, are you going to Indy? I don't know. I and think so, she's going to pump the brakes a little bit here. I'm fascinated to see that unfold. I don't even have an opinion on what she should or shouldn't do. I'm just, there's parts of the story for me I'm fascinated by, and then there's some fatigue already setting in, but the fascinations outweigh the fatigue at this point. So I'm in, I'm here for it. Where, which games are you missing? Right. And so, and then there's the other part of it is like, how many more national ad campaigns are we supposed to see Travin? Because there's the whole Pfizer thing that blew up today. Mm. There's the Bud Light thing that's blown up. Mm-hmm. He's already famous. He's already one of the best, most recognizable names. Like we're about to see a lot more. And then the third element, and I don't know if you noticed this, but like all of a sudden Taylor Swift commercials are popping up during the NFL games for her TV show. Like, and so why wouldn't it? Right. That's genius. Conspiracy theory though. Major conspiracy theory. First commercial of the Jets game was for her movie. Yeah, I don't know. I'm saying like they know what they're doing. They're smart people doing the deal. Mm-hmm. Saw my boy Tom from I think CAA in the suite with her. I'm like, oh, Tom's up there. He's in there making moves. Go ahead. So, Tom. so it, it, like the the way they're going to cross market this. I mean, you're talking about Travis Kelsey, one of the most marketable, recognizable names in the league right now, and has been for a while. And that's going to just grow 
like to the umpteenth. And then Taylor Swift's bigger than I think any. I mean, I don't even think it's close. I think she's super bigger than anyone else. It sounds like and you're so, taking the sack on this one. You need the Taylor Swift knowledge because we were on a five year yeah, tangent about this. No, I know. I just think it's good. like everyone's like, what what's happening and what's not. I'm less concerned about the relationship. I have actually, I have no interest in what their relationship is or isn't. Sure. I just am having fun watching this whole like the marketing side of it. I love it. And like that's the part I'm fascinated by. And then it's like. Once you get in too deep, I mean, you could get four weeks into this and one of them's not super into the other one for whatever reason. Because by the way, that happens when you are start dating somebody, you realize six weeks in there, maybe I'm not, you know, for whatever reason. So like, but then they're both in too deep because mm-hmm. then it's a breakup. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's like, well, at this point it like, is at this point, well, anything I, is a breakup. That, yeah. At this point, if they were to no longer date, it's a breakup. Oh, that's a good call. Right? It's a monster. How it ended it. And the interviews and this. Parlay that into her next album, which is great for her. And then if it's about Travis, it's great for, I mean, there's just no, there's no negatives here. I would argue that she has very little to gain though. Yeah. But like what? She has very little to gain in general. Ever. That's right. Just because she's like, what does she need? There's no, there's not much for her. There's no, like she's at the ceiling right now. Yeah, what she needs is like Staples Center to do an eighth night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, right. Sorry, we're booked. All right, cool. Yeah. Keep, I'll keep the four. Yeah, let me play on the moon. So, but I'm just fascinated by that. So I, I'm I'm taking the uh, I'm taking the sack on that. Yeah, that's the only one you've answered. So you might want to change your answer last week about the Arizona Cardinals beating the Cowboys too. I don't I don't think you believe that. What was that answer? You said what's what's a bigger deal, Taylor Swift going to the Chiefs game or the Cardinals beating the Cowboys? You said the Cardinals. I don't think you believe that. Yeah, I probably redo that now that I see the ramifications. Of yeah, it. but it was, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you, I don't think you personally believe that. It got everybody on the t- everyone was on the Taylor Swift hype. Everyone got every, a lot of people off the Cowboys hype, cha- hype, hype yeah. train, which I think is a good thing. I think it's yeah. healthy. Um, very cool. Well, Kyle, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks um, for having me on my own show. It's great. You get to do something that you haven't done before that I've never done before. Oh, and uh, I'm gonna do this. We're gonna Dang. do it. Okay. We're going to do it. We're going to do the two-minute drill. Okay. I want you okay. to think through it. I want you to be honest. See, this okay. is kind of fucked up because usually you tell your guests before the show that they're going to do this, and then now you're just telling me. I told our guests at the beginning of the show that I didn't tell you anything that we're doing today. That's true. I'm the guest. Might have short sleeves, but I still got tricks up them. So we're going to go throw two minutes on the screen. You start this wherever you want to start it, middle school, high school. You can Your voice can be as normal like it is now <laughs> it could be super deep like when you were 15 at the elite 11 regional and okay. there's a QB competition Let's move on. Day, and it was pretty good about it and they sound like Shaq or you can start it wherever you want but it ends today mm-hmm. three and one about to ready to board a flight to London England to take on the Jaguars Hello, Jack. and all week you guys should not call them the Jags by the way they should be the, the Jaguars the Jaguars the Jaguar all right um the Jaguar uh, all right, two-minute drill. Start it where you start it, end it today. Here we go. All right, so I am a kid from Scottsdale, Arizona. I grew up there. My parents moved there the year before I was born, 18 years, grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, went to high school at Desert Mountain High School where I met my now fiancé, soon-to-be wife, Summer, in my junior year of high school. Um, played the, Played a bunch of football. Uh, I didn't really know I was going to be a good at quarterback until halfway through high school, figured out I was going to be good, started getting offers, took a bunch of visits. Me and my dad were flying all the way around the country all the time, going to different schools. Great time for me and my dad to to bond and be together. Some of my favorite memories with him. And then end up going to A&M, had aspirations of following Johnny Manziel and being the next big thing. Turns out things don't always go your way. Played well in some games, battled through, played poorly in some, got benched. Kyler Murray came in, played, and they benched him, put me back in, benched each other, blah, blah, blah. Tons of stuff happens. We both end up transferring. I go to Houston where I redshirt, and it's probably the least favorite year of my life in football. I wanted to quit ball. I told my family. I told multiple people I didn't want to play anymore. It wasn't worth it. I had some people in my life push me through that moment and keep me playing, which I am super grateful for, and ended up getting benched that next year, my senior year, and saying, screw it. I'm done with this. I'm I'm betting on myself. I'm going to try and make it work in the NFL. And if it does, it does. If it doesn't, I'm moving on. Um, end up going and training with you for the draft. Get signed in Carolina as an undrafted free agent for $3,000 as a signing bonus. 
end up making P squad on the team, getting cut, getting signed back later in the year, starting the last game of the year, playing well, and then playing a bunch of that next couple of years. And then played on a bunch of teams in the NFL, been on, on a bunch of incredible teams, been around a bunch of incredible teammates, some guys that I never that I idolized growing up that I never thought I'd play with, end up playing with. And now we're here in, in year six in Buffalo playing with one of my best friends and on a great team and couldn't be more excited about what the future holds. Man, if we were to fast forward like four months, you, this thing could end with saying, and then I won a Super Bowl. You think about that could. at all? No, I don't think about the next day i can't think long term sorry if that would have been a great quote but i don't think about it at all. we're about to have a moment kyle we record it do you think about it nope <laughs> nope i don't um, <laughs> sorry it's awesome but, but for real it's on the table and um and i think it's been one of the most incredible journeys i've been around a lot of young dudes playing quarterback one of the most incredible stories and you're at a point in your career where uh, it could go so many different directions when you have a bunch of experience and you're healthy and you're young, like it can go a lot of different directions. And yeah. so I think uh, this journey has been fascinating to watch and it'll be even more fun to watch it here in the future. Uh, thanks for well, having thanks me for on coming my own on today. Show. Yeah. Thanks for having me on my own show. Exactly.